This episode is brought to you in part by Thomas Nelson, publisher of I Want to Matter. Your life is too short and too precious to waste. Written and narrated by New York Times bestseller Kathy Lee Gifford. Available now everywhere you get audiobooks. Dynamic voices for a diverse church. This is Pass the Mic. Greetings and God bless. Welcome to another episode of Pass the Mic, Dynamic Voices for a Diverse Church, powered by The Witness, a black Christian collective. I am your host, Tyler Burns. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Burns Clan. Please follow at your own risk. And joining me, as always, is the founder of The Witness, very extensive bio, the man, the myth, the legend, the two-time best-selling author, Mr. Blue Check Verified himself, Dr. Jamar Tisby. What's going on, brother? You can follow me at jamartisb.substack.com. Huh? Uh, I need a... That one works? No. (laughs) No. No. I'm going to keep... I'm going to get it. No. I'm going to get it. Yeah. No, that's 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 kind of like one of those uh I don't know. That sounds like uh I don't know what that's That sounds like that church that was doing those uh Avenger shorts uh don't, for no, for Easter. No. Uh-uh. <laughs> People don't need to the, know about The all Lion that. of Judah Easter <laughs> Easter 2022. That sounds like... <laughs> you can call on God. <laughs> They don't even know what you're talking about. But that's better. It's better. That Look way. it up. Trust me. The Trust Avengers me. Church. Okay. Trust me. You'll, you'll see what I'm talking about. And then they got the king, the lion of of the king, the lion, the king of Judah. That's what it was called. The lion king of Judah. And the lion a, king of. And Judah, they had a yes. black man uh, playing Rafiki. <laughs> Listen, y'all need some more dignity. Why do y'all negotiate with y'all dignity? You literally went through practices and then let them dress you up as Rafiki. With all these if other you know, white actors. I, I'm yeah. serious. If you're listening, okay. like, yo, reach out to me. DM me on Instagram or Twitter. Like, reach out to me. We have to talk. I need to sit down with you. And what is happening, bro? <laughs> Y'all know what I'm talking people. about. Look, <sighs> it's wild, man. Listen, I recently, um, speaking of of high art, uh, I recently saw a film that I really enjoyed. Uh, it's called... <laughs> Why are y'all laughing like this? I keep picturing Lord King, Lion King of Judah, and you said high art. So, okay. Look, high art, bro. It's almost like, you know, those things where you're like, yo, this isn't real. It it feels unreal. It's got to be a parody. It's got to be it seriously. Uh, satirical in some way. But it's so bad, it's good, bro. No, no, it's, so it's, it's, it's kind of like it's kind of like Cool Runnings, bro. Like Cool Runnings is bad, but it's like really good. I don't know if you can say that. That's a classic. That's a classic cool, in the culture. See, see what I'm saying? It's a classic in the culture. I, I don't look. Whenever the the our God is a lion, the Lion of Judah, them singing that in costume, like lives rent free in my head. Like that lives rent free. Like Rafiki clapping almost nearly off beat, singing that song. It's so bad, it's kind of perfect. Y'all, I know you can't not think about something, but don't. I mean, it's not, it's kinda, it's yo, not worth it. Speaking of high art, though, I did see a uh, movie recently that I really enjoyed. I'm trying to see if it's going to make my end of year list, but it's a movie called Everything Everywhere All at Once. Shout out to Michelle Yo. It is probably the strangest film I've ever seen. Uh, probably, I'm still 
completely confused at some of the things that happened. If you've actually seen the film, you're like, what? Like, what happened here? What happened there? Oh, but that film was beautiful, man. Mm, mm. It was so beautiful. It's like a a multiverse film. It's like really like a a mother daughter saga in a multiverse multiverse martial arts action film. Oh wow! It's just it's brilliant and beautiful, and I love it. And you know, it made me think about all these different versions of her character, Michelle's character that she's interacting with across the universes, and she's trying to have to define different characters and things like that. And it made me think about someone else. Who made you think about? It made me think about a guy named Kurt. 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 Kurt is I've been my hearing guy, a man. lot about him. I've been hearing a lot about Kurt. Kurt's been at the center of so much. I feel like Kurt is everywhere all at once. <laughs> you know my Kurt guy Kurt, right? You know up. Kurt, right? Yes. Kurt be showing up everywhere. Kurt be showing up. Kurt be in school. Kurt, Kurt is at the school board meeting. Kurt go to church, too. He, oh, he definitely at church. Kurt is in books. Kurt is in books. Kurt is also in sports. Kurt plays sports. Kurt won't just shut up and dribble. Kurt also goes to war. This is wild. He's international. Yeah, he is. Kurt is just, I mean, he obviously is in the courtroom. Y'all know Kurt? Y'all know Kurt. You know Kurt, right? You know Kurt. I mean, maybe you don't know his like initials. His initials are CRT. CRT. That's well, y'all we stop talking about Kurt. I'm not talking about CRT. I'm talking about Kurt. Leave that's Kurt y'all alone. friend. No, Leave Kurt, Kurt is y'all. You remember, you remember that the way that we talk about somebody that's not our boy, and we're like, yo, that's your boy? That's your boy. <laughs> y'all know your boy Kurt, right? Yeah, your, your boy. Hey, yeah. go get your boy Kurt. That's y'all boy, okay? That's Ron DeSantis' boy, okay? Why, what, who Kurt. our governor? What does our governor talk about? He know Kurt better than anybody else. Apparently, he but He could spot Kurt a mile him. away. Listen, Jamar, we've been trying to avoid the CRT thing. But I'm going to tell you, I need a backup plan for living. I know I just started a replant at a church. There you go. Relaunch a church. All right. Shout out all nations. Listen, I know I did all this. I know I'm, you know, Pensacola A50. Got the got the Roy Jones <laughs> oh, okay, on. You know what I'm okay. saying? The I didn't know we were repping. I got it. You know what I'm saying? Okay, I, you got know, you. we got the Pensacola in the in the mix. You know what I'm saying? But uh, I, need a, I need a backup plan to live because Florida getting a little, it's oh. always been like that. But even I, as a native Floridian defender of the, the parts of the state that are redeemable, it's starting to say, you know what? I kind of, I kind of need a backup plan because the way they treating Kurt, my my my, or trying to find him in everywhere. What's happening, bro? Everywhere, all at once. So we're talking about critical race theory and how it has become. Can I? Can I? Can I? Can I propose my own theory? Okay. On this thing, I don't know if that's allowed. We have to ask the people. True we have to enough. ask the anti-Kurt people. Then you know. It is what it is. We'll 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 ask for forgiveness later, better than permission. My theory, well, what I'm calling it, is an anti-critical race theory crusade. Yes, and I use that terminology crusade very intentionally, very intentionally because it is a war, a culture war, baptized as holy in the name of Christianity, right? Really, white Christian nationalism in yes. the name of America. In the name of their understanding of freedom, which means the freedom to do whatever I want without consequence. So it is, in a real sense, a crusade that is just as misguided, just as bloody in some ways as the historic crusades in Europe So in, and, and beyond. So that's how I try to think of it. What this is is a concerted effort and what it has become 
is everything everywhere all at once. Mm. Everything is critical race mm. theory. And 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 As, yeah, the bro. connotation is always negative. But yes. here's the heart, I think two things. One, people do not want to admit to systemic racism. Right. Racism and injustice writ large in its systemic and institutional forms. And two, they want us all to adopt a colorblind ideology, which would then let all of society, particularly those in power, off the hook for doing anything differently or changing the status quo, which would then hmm. permit an unjust status quo to persist. Not that it matters. I think it's important for us to say that we are not CRT experts, but it really doesn't matter because the people who are talking about it have no idea what it is, clearly, by and how they're, they're going to label us it. that anyway. And they'll label us that anyway. So Kurt is like, in the room whenever, in the room, we're, in the room, whenever we're in the room. <laughs> uh, there's always a third person on the mic. I don't know. Whatever. But when did this start? Because I think we've been trying Ooh, to track this. We've like, been trying to track it. When did this start and what was this inflection moment? That caused us to talk more about CRT and to talk more about critical race theory as a concept, but also as people's assumption that that's the greatest threat. Because it shifted from just being a part of a conversation mm -hmm. to now being that's the, the greatest threat. Yes. So when did this start? Do you know when this started? Because I feel like it's CRT as a label, it's ancestry starts with cultural Marxism, social Darwinism, yes, right. you know, right. it starts with these terms, Marxist, communist. When did CRT get introduced into the conversation? Man, I've been trying to pinpoint that as well. I don't know exactly. One of the early, early signs, so, so, so we'll talk about when in a second, but I think it's important to highlight where this conversation okay, that's started. That's good. That's very good. Which is within Christianity. Yes. National news media, y'all have not picked up on this yet. You are trying to talk about critical race theory purely in terms of political and social terms. You, you, you haven't taken the extra step to understanding and dissecting what's happening by exploring the religious, specifically a sort of Christian dimension, right? So right. we can say that because we we have an article on our website from 2016 hmm. where one of our writers is juxtaposing colorblindness to critical race theory right? and is basically saying colorblindness wants to pretend we're further along than we are. Colorblindness wants to pretend that we are post-racial right? and therefore skin color doesn't matter. What most black people and people of color are saying no, it still does matter. Theories, which is not a worldview, that's another thing we can get into, right? It's not a list of solutions either. It's not a list of, it's a diagnostic tool. Yeah. It's to explain what what is happening according to this theory, which you can agree with or disagree with, but it is not an entire worldview to craft your being around, mm -hmm. nor is it designed necessarily to propose solutions to everything, right? So, juxtaposing colorblindness to critical race theory, which says race is a social construct, not biologically determined, right? It's something that people have made it into. And saying that instead of being colorblind, we need to be color conscious in order to right the wrongs of white right. supremacy and racism. Right. That's all the way back in 2016, but you read the comment section and you start to get hints of 
Kurt everywhere all at once. <laughs> yeah, right? Exactly, exactly. Because people latched on. It was really just a a portion at the beginning and the end of the article to sort of say there's a different way to think about it right. and not a colorblind way all the time. And people in the comments latched on to critical. And here's what they did. They connected it to Marxism, which I don't think people understand. We know that white evangelicals use Marxism as a negative label, as a pejorative. Yes, but yes. here's why. Because in their view, what Marxism does is try to find any inequality and level it out and make everyone the same. Now, in decades prior, the 50s and the 60s, they would look at Marxism and say amalgamation, mm -hmm. racial mm -hmm. amalgamation. Mm -hmm. They want to yes. eliminate the white race by intermingling and intermixing yes. and intermarrying all the people. And so if you are a proud Anglo-Saxon person, then you are going to oppose Marxism. Therefore, you're going to oppose the civil rights movement, which is encouraging desegregation. Yes. Yes. So that's the long story. You know, I think another thing that we should point out, which is very important and probably pertinent to our listeners, is this has infiltrated its way in the church and the in the modern conversation as well, in the more recent conversation, now to where churches are actually doing sermon series on CRT. Yes. And They're doing sermon series. I mean- I, I have some people in proximity to where we are Yeah, that literally do sermon series against CRT. I've seen people, it's almost like, and, and I don't know if this is necessarily all the way accurate, but someone was saying that there was a meeting, I just heard this secondhand, there was a meeting between prominent pastors and that prominent pastors would get on a Zoom call and someone would brief them on the things that they should watch out for. Wow. One of them being Black Lives Matter of as course. an organization, uh, some of them being CRT and critical race theory, and that some of these pastors would latch onto it and that they would actually take it and then try to preach from it. And nobody preaches or nobody speaks with more authority from a place of less than preachers. Wow. <laughs> you saying preachers aren't experts on everything, but they make it sound nobody like makes it seem like they're more of an expert on something, but isn't than a preacher. And I'm a preacher, so I, I, can, I can I can I can put ourselves out there, 100. Yeah. percent wow. That's what we do. Wow. And so it literally people consumed it, and then des desire to put it out to their audience, and literally didn't do research on it, but they tried to say, oh, I can understand it by a plain uh, glance at it. So, well, if it's, if it's critical, it means it's based on critique. If it's racial, then that means that they, they would literally do that. Yeah. And so I think a lot of people are interacting with this for the first time and hearing it in, in their pulpits, in mm. their churches. Mm. And if a person of spiritual authority tells you something is, is negative, is harmful, negative harmful, you know, something you should stay away from, well, then you assume that that's the case. Right, right. And what else do you have to actually, you, hopefully you go and check up on your pastors, but what, what if you don't, right? Yeah. Now you assume and then you start hearing about it. So I think there's this intersection with church culture and the church world that now has turned CRT into something that we can just pontificate about when it comes to what we consider cultural shifts in a negative direction. Absolutely. And I think going back to its vectors in the church, 
from, I would say, the late 80s, early 90s on up to the early 2010s, we had this evangelical racial reconciliation movement. The predominating theme of that movement, because it's in evangelical circles, is unity. Yes. Unity for many people meant flattening out differences. Therefore, colorblindness was the way to achieve unity. But then we got these undeniable reminders that race does does indeed still matter. So we got Trayvon Martin, we got Mike Brown, and it for 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 me and for us, it was right around this 2014, 2015, 2016 period. Because you get these uprisings in protest of anti-black police brutality, you get the rise of the Black Lives Matter movement, you get the confluence of Donald Trump as a candidate for president, and you get this national rhetoric about diversity, equity, inclusion, justice, part of the national conversation. But also, you get, here's the kicker, I think people need to understand. You get black Christians in white spaces talking about yes, this. Yes. And that's when yes. the, 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 the defenses come up and the attacks begin. Because get this, as long as black Christians, we're completely separate in our own spaces, white Christians don't typically even know what's going on. Right. You can rattle off a list of half a dozen com- incredibly prominent, famous black pastors that many white people would never have even heard of. Right. They're right? black famous. Yeah, black yeah, famous. They're black famous, right? And it's the same with theology. It's the same with our justice theology, all of that. Only when you get the interaction. Oh, this is why mm. this is why black evangelicalism historically mm. is so important. It's only when you get the contact yep. between black Christians and white Christians in a meaningful way. So we're in their nonprofit, we're in their right. uh college ministry, we're in their church. Right. And I say there because it's the stuff they started. Mm-hmm. It's the stuff that's still predominantly white. But we bring in our full self and our views yes. on race. Yes. That's when the pushback. So so mm-hmm. to bring it all back to critical race theory, it used to be Marxism, communism. It still is liberal, you know, those are the labels, right? But then you get certain specific terms like intersectionality. Hmm, mm-hmm. People hated intersectionality. Oh, yeah, that was – and so intersectionality was kind of the, the CRT in its infancy right? in the conversation where people were talking about, you know, all, these people are talking about intersectionality and this is in all the books and – and you know want to be intersectional and it's a particular attack on black women but anyway mm-hmm. uh, so it's basically trying to put black women in their place but so, so it's intersectionality it's this this and then intersectionality quickly faded out of out of consciousness and then CRT came into play yes but there was kind of a low period in between them i think because there was the rise of trump and so the rise of trump kind of muted some of this but you were talking about how someone was on cable news <laughs> and basically instructed Trump to do something. Yes, yes. Chris and then he Rufo. did it. Uh-huh. And then that's when kind of things kind of shifted. Yeah, it was like fall 2020, maybe 19, but it, it it was Chris Rufo on I believe with Tucker Carlson. And Tucker Carlson was asking Rufo about critical race theory and what it was, the bigger concept was the infiltration of these ideas about racial equity and diversity and all that into the federal government. And Carlson asked Rufo, well, what should the president do if you could 
speak to President Trump, what would you tell him to do? And Chris Rufo speaks directly into the camera. I would tell him to write an executive order banning all of this type of training and instruction from any federal government agency. Wow. And within weeks, that's that exactly <laughs> what Trump did. So that's when it hit the national right. scene. But right. it was in the context of politics, which right. skips over the the Christian far-right fundamentalist context out of which I think it grew. Yes, Yes. Okay. There's more. There's more to unpack here. Kurt's still in other places. <laughs> so we got to pause and then we're going to come back. Kurt is everywhere. Kurt, yeah, we're going to talk about Kurt in more places after this break. Hey, everybody, this is Tyler. This is Dr. Jamar Tisby. And we are excited that you're listening to this episode of Pastor Mike. But let me encourage you to support us. You can do so by going to patreon.com forward slash Pastor Mike. And for just $1 an episode. Just a dollar? Now, that's the bare minimum. That's four quarters. But if you want to go higher, okay, 5, go 10, higher. 15, right. 20, 25, whatever it is, that will keep this show going and keep the high quality that hopefully you enjoy. So thank you for listening. But you can take it to the next level. Patreon.com slash Pass the mic. We appreciate you. So, Jay, we've been talking about Kurt everywhere all at once. Oh, everywhere all at once. You know, I, I remembered something while we were on break that in our local county, as of right now, there are no approved math books for elementary schools as of this moment. Because there's Kurt in the math. Kurt's in the numbers. Kurt got in the math book. Kurt's teaching one plus one equals two. That's what that Kurt. I read headlines about it that they're accusing math textbooks. Math textbooks of utilizing principles and tactics of Kurt, CRT. I just don't know how that I, happens. I, I don't know either. You tell them what me. they're naming. Maybe what it's is. the examples. Maybe it's the kids. Maybe it's this. Maybe it's you know if Johnny has five apples and and uh, Quatavius wants three. Right. Maybe the and- name is <laughs> Miguel or something. I don't and know. Maybe if they want three, and Johnny gives generously of his increase. To- wow. Wow. <laughs> Why does it? Why does it? My my dad's name Johnny. Why doesn't he give his apples to other people? I don't know, man. Well, Bro, we're making know. light of it because there's a, a a level of ridiculousness, yeah, involved in all of this. But it is serious it because is serious. it is finding itself everywhere. everywhere, all at once. And of course, we know we've talked about this a lot. Like the people who are on this anti-CRT crusade really don't even know how to define it. Have never studied it. Right. Haven't read the books. Any of that. But what is happening? I mean, if they don't know actually what it is and really doesn't seem they don't care to know, why are they making Kurt such a big deal? Well, I I think it's important to acknowledge and say this, that if you've been listening to Pastor Mike for any length of time, you already know this. But CRT, Kurt, it's a catch all for all kinds of things that would threaten power. It's important for us to always draw this back to power, always draw this back to control, always draw this back to an assumed place in society because so much of our society is based upon the narratives around it. And we're fighting narratives all the time. I mean, even when we talk about the the church historically in America, the thing that bristles people, the thing that bristles colleges that you, you go to and speak at 
is that you're telling a counter narrative or you're telling another narrative, which is very similar to what like a CRT would do in legal studies, right? Right, right. They would right. tell a different story and a narrative. Yeah. And so people want control of the narrative. And if you have control of the narrative, you have control of the power of society. That's right. So whenever people are throwing CRT in your face, it's important to realize that this is not about what you have done or said. Yeah. It's about what you threaten that they believe they have ownership of. What you of. threaten. That's a big one. And it's important to understand the context in which critical race theory arose was in the post-civil rights era. After nearly two decades of activism, why could black people not still get up? Why couldn't we still get a, a, a piece of the American dream like yes. we were promised? And it arose as a way to explain, even after these social movements, even after certain changes like desegregation, there were still uh, there was still the presence of inequality, and it arose to explain that those discrepancies. Right. And it right. said, you know what? It's actually embedded in the mechanics of society, in the right. way we interact with one another, namely in the legal system. Right. right? So, I mean, on its face, it's like. It's it's a theory of explaining an right. issue that you can agree with, disagree with, add on to, whatever, right? It was never meant to be this sort of totalizing worldview, and it's not. And one of the things that they try to do, these anti-CRT crusaders— You wanted to say Kurt, didn't you? <laughs> <laughs> these anti-Kurt anti crusaders. crusaders. You wanted to say you wanted What to say they're Kurt. trying to do is say that people like you and me, who also we didn't study this, right? No. We have adopted it as a total worldview, and that it it, it 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 permeates everything, and we cannot understand reality apart from it. But what's interesting is what is the what is their alternative? Right. I think you referenced it earlier with the article that you were referencing that was on our website six years ago. That there is a different alternative that people have to CRT and anything that threatens their ideas of what we should do moving forward. And this is, again, very important. They have to come up with a another way of being mm -hmm. and another way of doing. Mm -hmm. And so whenever you introduce that, this is, this is kind of a, a common theme. People don't have a solution themselves, and so they attack ours. Woo! So, so people do not have a solution for themselves, so they attack ours, and they, they call it whatever radicalizes it most. Ooh. They call it CRT. They call us Marxist. They call us woke. They mm. call us it, whatever you want to put. For a minute. Yes. Woke was there for five seconds yeah. and you defended it. But <laughs> it, here's the thing. <laughs> you talk about it was good before they co-opted it. So <laughs> but, but see here's the thing. When you think about the way in which people attack, they attack based upon a lack of solution themselves. And so it's all about preservation and conservation of an existing status quo. And so you have to radicalize everyone else who does not preserve what you feel to be is right. And I think a crucial aspect of what you're saying is if they can't come up to a, with a solution to a problem, they sort of demonize ours, exactly. right? But then there are also so many who don't see a problem. Exactly. Because they think the status quo is okay. And yes. I think there is the sense among certain white evangelicals of, don't you, haven't we given you black people enough? Oh, of course. Right. Like, first we emancipated y'all. Then we desegregated. When are you going to be Then satisfied? there was a black president. Then you're, you're in our churches. You're, you're in our, leading our music, right? Like, what more do you want? <laughs> I'm putting it more bluntly than they would, of course. But it is the sense of, from some, well, black people will never be satisfied. 
right? Yeah, it was funny. I was listening to a uh, a podcast that you've been on, and uh, they were talking about you while you weren't there, which is always funny. And uh, they 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 mentioned that if if the racial reconciliation movement didn't work, then how did we get a black president? Lord have mercy. And so they Whoa. thought it was. I'm I'm, I'm paraphrasing crudely, right. but they said it. They thought it was because of the racial reconciliation movement, not in spite of. My my my. <laughs> so I just. It's always funny whenever people are talking about this stuff and and we're not there. I'm always like, well, you know, I don't know. We're not on the show, so I don't know what to tell well, you. When you make unity the goal, exactly, and the end all be all, then you say, well, the racial reconciliation movement was working because we had black people in white spaces and all kinds of people of color and the growth of multi ethnic churches, right? Which is again. You know, the bar is 80-20, right? We're exactly. 20, no more than 80% of the people, no more than one per people group makes up no more than 80% of yeah. a congregation, mm -hmm. right? So that's not really, I mean, it's not a high bar. Right. But anyway, you get that, you get folks who don't see a problem at all. And then you get folks who look at people like us who say, oh, no, race is still very salient as being divisive, as being right. the problem. Right. And then they want to shut it down and say, well, these are, this this the other divide. This is the sacred-secular divide. Yes. They're using a secular theory, critical race theory, when they should be using just the Bible or just yeah. preaching the gospel, yeah. right? So I think the reason why we're talking about CRT now is partially because it's something that we can now look at and say, look at how these this tactic of attacking when you don't have solutions affects all of society, Mm. But then secondarily, I think it's also a preparation for black Christians, because I think that at a certain point, maybe sooner rather than later, the conversation is going to change again. Oh, sure. And always does. woke change to CRT, you know, we could say it begat intersectionality, begat woke, which begat CRT. <laughs> we and could so, have a whole genealogy. We could have a whole genealogy. And I think that would actually be helpful for people if we actually did that one day. And I think now we have to prepare ourselves for what is coming. And what will come, if you notice it, it's becoming more and more pervasive. Mm -hmm. It gets deeper. And so now people are attacking the way we educate, mm -hmm. the way we read. You know, we can't have in a local, um, well, it's probably about an hour and a half away, a city about an hour and a half away from where I live, they've banned the bluest eye. Tony you know, <laughs> like they've, th these are, these are basic things that are now being attacked. The fabric of how we live and educate and we tell our stories and we yes. bear witness is now being attacked. And so what should people be aware of and what should they keep in mind as this debate rages, as Kurt continues to show up everywhere all at once? And also as Kurt moves off yeah. and they bring in someone else. Yeah. Well, so Kurt has some legs right now in terms in, of uh, opposing Absolutely. things that would bring racial progress. So it'll stick around as long as it's useful. Um, and so we might as well know what the ins and outs are. S one of the things that we should be aware of is the anti-CRT crusaders do have an alternative, and that's colorblindness. Mm. They want to believe that we're post-racial and they want to believe that we no longer can or should talk about race. Because if you take all of this stuff to its logical conclusion, race is just erased. 
but without actually addressing the inequalities of racism and white supremacy. Right. So this is their objection to systemic racism. In a Christian lens, they want to say, well, I'm not guilty for what other people did. Mm-hmm. First of all, there's a difference between guilt and responsibility. Guilt, no, you didn't do that. Mm-hmm. You weren't alive then. But we all bear responsibility for the state of the world right now. Yes, right. Do. And I don't know why it's actually selective. They'll understand that in other areas, but of not course. when it comes to race. Right. But then also what they want to do when you take this crusade to its logical conclusion is not talk about it at all and pretend as if because some laws were passed in the 1960s that we're all now on the level playing field. That black people, what do you have to complain about? You can get into any theater. You can run for any office. We, you know, theaters are big, right? <laughs> That's um, what we're waiting for. <laughs> you know, you can go to any school. And as a matter of fact, you have an unfair advantage because they look at color, right? These are the, the lawsuits right. against affirmative action. Well, let me just bring in some history. Let me get some MLK quotes here. So they often weaponize MLK, mm-hmm. particularly his I Have a Dream speech. And the one quote in there it's talking about, blind, yes, yeah. I want one day my children will be judged by the content of their character and not the color of their skin, which then gets weaponized to say, see, even Martin Luther King Jr., the, the most prominent figure in the civil rights era, was pushing toward a colorblind society. So you need to, in the 21st century, stop talking about race. Well, Here's what MLK also said, because they didn't read past that line. The reality of substantial investment to assist Negroes into the 20th century, adjusting to Negro neighbors and genuine school integration is still a nightmare for all too many white Americans. Hmm. These are the deepest causes for contemporary abrasions between the races. I like this part. Loose and easy language about equality. Resonant resolutions about brotherhood fall pleasantly on the ear. But for the Negro, there is a credibility gap he cannot overlook. He remembers that with each modest advance, the white population promptly raises the argument that the Negro has come far enough. Hmm. Each step forward accents an ever-present tendency to backlash. Yeah. Yeah. We cannot overlook this anti-CRT crusade as a backlash to the very progress that they weaponize against us to say we should be colorblind. So they'll always point to, well, you had a black president. Yes. And then we got Trump. Mm-hmm. Even before that, we had a black president. Then we got the Tea Party. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. And then we had racial reconciliation in the church. Now you get fundamentalists who are even in the Southern Baptist Convention saying it's too liberal. <laughs> and threatening to uh, either take over the existing levers of power or form their own new fellowship, right? That's one quote. Then you, you get back to that, I have a dream speech quote about the content of their character. Well, King also said, in contrast to a colorblind society, the white liberal must see that the Negro needs not only love, but also justice. Mm-hmm. A society that has done something special against the Negro for hundreds of years must now do something special for him in order to equip him to compete on a just and equal basis. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. equity is not merely the removing of barriers. It is helping people get into a position of being level that they always should have had. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, so removing a barrier, yeah. removing a barrier does nothing to actually close the gaps 
that have existed for hundreds of years. And we see this persisting to this day in racial wealth gap, over-policing of certain communities, longer sentencing. Um, we, we even saw this in the case of the guy who applied to jobs. His name was Jose. He took out a letter and it was Joe on his resume. They never saw his face and he got immediately calls back wow. when the name was Joe as opposed to Jose, wow. right? So there's all of this implicit kind of negativity toward people of color and those seen as as different, strange, non-European, basically. So all I'm saying is their alternative is to pretend as if these inequalities don't exist. And then what the power of critical race theory as a, a, a backlash is that they can now take all of the ideas of racial progress that began gaining popularity in the Black Lives Matter era and beyond, they can take all of that language, all of that training, all of those books, dump it in a junk drawer, label it CRT, shut it, lock it, and say Mm. nothing comes out. Mm. So that's diversity, equity, inclusion. That's the training programs that you get. That's the book list that you get. That's all of these ideas around racial equity and justice. Protests and marches. All of it. And any label, any new label, any new movement that comes up, they can toss it in that drawer, call it CRT, and say it's evil. It's not compatible with the gospel, which is what the SBC seminary president said, and 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 do whatever they want to demonize the term and more importantly, what efforts at racial progress we're currently trying to do. Hmm. That's Kurt. That's Kurt. He's everywhere all at once. Powerful. And he'll stick around as long as he's useful. As he's useful. We need to talk more about this. I think we need to talk more about this. There's more to talk about. Yeah. This episode was brought to you in part by The Compelled Podcast, which uses gripping, immersive storytelling to bring Christian testimonies to life. Listen to missionaries, addicts, martyrs, and more who have seen Jesus at work in unbelievable ways. Listen on your podcast app or compelledpodcast.com.